Now that I have your attention, we want to make sure that you do the following. We want to make a song remix with your favourite Barjas quote, and we need you. Record your favourite Barjas quote and a raspberry, you know. And email your audio as an MP3, WAV or M4A to champagnelateshow at gmail.com. Why? Because you could win one box set of Bluey, the complete series starring Lucky Grills. Not the cartoon, but the 1970s drama from Crawford's That Barjas is based on. Paid for and donated to this podcast by mygeekculture.com.au. Disclaimer, I am associated with that site. Now, runner-up prize is one champagne edition Best Bits of the Late Show DVD, which contains Best Bits of the Late Show Volumes 1 to 3, plus some more bits, as well as Barjas in the Olden Days. It's unopened too. Hooray! So you can replace that worn-out version. We've bought this one from the Redbubble store funds to give away for you, so thank you very much if you purchased anything off that store. Now, it's open to Australian and US listeners, and I'm paying for the postage too, so hey... Further away, the better, I guess. If you've entered our competitions before, you can enter again. But this competition has nothing to do with Working Dog, ABC or Crawfords. Disclaimer, our decision for the winners are final and not up for negotiation. Competition closes when we release the teaser for podcast episode 40. So if you see the teaser audio out, the competition is closed. So let it rip. Thank you to the wonderful Razia for your dancing rendition of our theme and welcome to episode 32 of the Champagne Comedy Podcast where we talk about the best Australian comedy show of the 90s ever made, The Late Show and other degeneration comedy tidbits. My name is Matt and joining this podcast today is Alison, Daniel and Kim. And we have a special guest reviewer, Amber. Hey. Now, how did you become a DGen fan? Oh, gosh. That's a long story. Okay, um, then we'll move on. Because... No, <laughs> no, keep keep going, keep going. No, 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 no. I was in grade five when the first season aired and then and they wouldn't let me watch it. Because I thought it was too risky, for, risque for me as a as a at that that time a nine year old, and I turned ten and I complained and they eventually just let me watch with them and yeah just yeah, double yeah. figures it's yeah you can yeah you turn ten they, it's a whole thing right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unfortunate passing. I guess it was a running joke in a certain bit, and that is Ivan Reitman. A.K.A. the genius. Yeah, we're, we're all physically restraining ourselves from saying the line. The, the genius. <laughs> in the voice as well. In, in, in the, the voice. voice. Mr. Ghostbuster. Other than that, there's a bit from Leonard, a listener who also contributes, uh, in regards to the Joe Bailey protest. He also... Um, listen to the podcast yay right. <laughs> and he, he wrote um a bit in our facebook group uh, just some extra tidbits basically um he heard the the call out on triple m and it was uh on kevin hillier's show shot on a friday morning that was he says that was my uni day off and when my mate and i would regularly <laughs> catch up for breakfast and mick and jason had an idea of how the sketch would run but they did make up a lot of stuff on the fly 
Basically, everything that was recorded on the day went to air. Not much was left on the cutting room floor. Lou Richards was an opportunist and got on to flog his new video, Lou's Larrikins. He looked so bewildered at the time as well. I'm, surpri I'm surprised the video plug didn't make it, considering all the other plugs that make it on the ABC as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, Len continues, uh, Pete Smith came up with the idea of shaking the car as he was driving out. Gen <laughs> genius move. So that was that was really good. Isn't that in the... Best bits? Yeah, the best bits. Like, the, oh, that, that actually yeah. is in the best bits. The bit where Mick was on the phone saying, people will remember the day when Joe Bailey was sacked was a live cross to Triple M <laughs> as well. So so we were talking about best bits, but the best bits, I think, um, at the end when uh, Leonard says it was his 15 seconds of fame and he was treated like a god at uni on the <laughs> I've got the paper. <laughs> Daniel G and his program guide. All right, so uh, this comes from Ross Warnicke's Critical Guide uh, from the Saturday Age. This is where uh, Ross gets to highlight his picks of the night as well as um, items that are worth a look. So some of the listings have a box around them and one of them is labelled the pick of the night. I'll uh, point that out uh, in a moment. Uh, we'll start off with Channel 7. At 8.30 they had It'll Be All Right Late at Night. Now this is a repeat from 1985. Um, it's one of a series of bloopers specials from Britain's ITV channel called It'll Be All Right on the Night, uh, hosted by the late Dennis Norton along with his trademark clipboard. Um, now, you can watch It'll Be Alright Late at Night on YouTube. Be warned, as the video description states, uniquely with this edition, it includes some clips of nudity and more mature language. Uh, the reason why we've got that at 8.30 instead of a movie is because at 9.30, we've got the AFL. Essendon versus Carlton. Uh, says Warnicky, uh, it's a delayed telecast of tonight's qualifying final, the first AFL final played under lights at the MCG. Uh, the commentators are Sandy Roberts, Ian Robertson, Ross Glendinning, Gerard Healy and Peter McKenna. And uh, technically this uh, starred, for want of a better term, friend of the DGN and graduate of Jason Stevens' grooming school for <laughs> AFL footballers, Tim Watson. Um, he scored three goals and a behind. Now, uh, if you don't want to know the scores, uh, look away now. <laughs> Always wanted to do that. Does anybody give a shit about the scores? Uh, seriously? Nah. Seriously, pe people listening to this podcast do not care about the football from 30 years ago. Or, or now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, if you care about it, Google it. So uh, moving on to Channel 9, um, at 6.30 we've got Hey Hey It's Saturday, hosted by another friend of the DGN, Shirley Strong. Well, uh, yeah, this is because Daryl. Well, there's there's quite a few uh, friends of the DGen uh, coming up, uh, yeah, tonight. Uh, so uh, the reason Shirley's hosting is because Daryl is in the Northern Territory to skydive. I don't know what it's like to skydive. Um, you know, I'd say, um, yeah, you'll never, never know, as they say in the classics. <laughs> Honestly, I, d I don't know whether he's in the NT to skydive for Hey Hey or for um, the bunch of ads, which. Think would have come out around this time. Uh, anyhow, we kick off Hey Hey with a tribute to the Blues Brothers, um, an authorised tribute that was um, uh, put on by the Paul Dainty Corporation. Now, this stars Simon Westaway of the ABC dramas Phoenix and later on Janus as Elwood Blues, as Jake, another friend of the DGen, Shirty himself, Russell Crowe. Oh, no way! <laughs> like, he's kept this very quiet off the CV. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> There's hardly any information about it and certainly no 
Well, apart from, uh, you know, if you, if you spend the money to go to heyhey.tv, oh. um, apart from that, no footage. After that, another friend of the DJ, uh, John Farnham performing Seemed Like a Good Idea, brackets at the time, closed brackets, uh, from his album Then Again. As we know, the video clip uh, has also got uh, the DJ in it. Uh, then after that, he joins Merv Hughes and Joe Bailey to judge Red Faces. Now, you see, Pete Smith was absolutely right when he said last episode... Joe, like all our people except myself, are being given a go to do new things. <laughs> there you go. Co-host the sale of the century to co-judge on red faces. I'm pretty sure that's on the app. Then after that, uh, Tommy Emmanuel performed The Journey from the album The Journey. Uh, you know, it's the one that goes... That's all of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then to close things out, World Party performs All I Gave from their album Bang. Um, I don't know how that goes. Um, it's certainly not as memorable as Neil. Uh, and all that's followed at 8.30 by the movie Passion and Paradise. Do you think that Saturdays are, you know, just movies and sport and nothing else? I mean, they were really throwing a fair bit of crap up the wall come, come 8.30 of the night. I'll let you know what uh, Ross Warnicky had to say about it. Uh, originally a miniseries, this made-for-TV 1989 Sophie Come Mystery is another star vehicle for Armand Asante and little else. Asante is a playboy suspected of killing his rich father-in-law, played by Rod Steiger, who had objected to his daughter's choice of husband. Based on a real-life murder in the Bahamas in 1943, this retelling, complete with royals, socialites and Caribbean opulence, is pure trash. The only other thing I'll mention is that um, Warnicky seems to like that X-come-Y convention because he used it last week for something else from memory. So, like, he's, he seems to like using all of these different words. Like, he called, he's called a couple of shows watchable as well. Going to Channel 10, we've got the movie... Black Velvet Gown. Uh, Warnicky says that it's a 1991 British drama based on a Catherine Cookson novel and set in, the um, set in the 1830s about a mother and daughter at odds with each other and the prejudices of the time. Excellent cast includes Janet McTeer and Bob Peck. Uh, then over on SBS, we've got uh, the movie Everything for Sale. Uh, Warnicky says that this is an interesting 1968 Polish movie within a movie based on fact about the effect on a film's cast and crew when an actor is killed in a train accident with Daniel Olbrichski. All I can think about is if they made a modern remake about that. We all know what movie set that might be uh, modelled on these days, I think. Okay, so that brings us to the ABC. I'll just note that uh, today is the final episode of Eggshells at 8pm. That's the ABC comedy series about a brow beauty and divorcee starring uh, Gary McDonald, the one that nobody remembers, um, even though everybody remembers Mother and Son. All right, so our lead-in at 9.30 was... What will I do? Yeah, so we've got season two, episode 11 uh, from November 1990, Love on the Run. Daryl, who, remember, is in jail, develops appendicitis and has emergency surgery... While he's in hospital, he plans to escape for one night just so that he can be with Tracy. Now, how does he do this? Well, with the help of a nurse who drugs the police guard. Meanwhile, Sharon spends the night with an artist named Martin. And Dorian, well, she doesn't really get a storyline in this episode, but she's still a day cat. There we go. <laughs> then at 10 o'clock, uh, The Late Show. 
Well, he doesn't seem to change uh, from his usual satire and sketch comedy from Melbourne's DJ. Uh, he seems to say that weekend, yeah, pretty much mm. week in, week out. Uh, then at 11 o'clock, Order in the House, uh, The Week in Federal Politics. Uh, at 12 midnight, um, The Full Wax, uh, a chat show with comedian Ruby Wax. At uh, 12.30, ATVI News. And then at 1am, we've got Rage with guest programmer Carl Wallinger. Now, last episode, I had no idea, and I still have no idea who Tammy Sidorenko is. Thankfully, I know who Carl Wallinger is, but I want to know whether any of you know. No idea. Nope. No idea at all. Okay, technically, we've had him earlier in the night. He's the leader of the band World Party. Oh, okay. The only other thing I'll mention is that, uh, thankfully, the, the Late Show gets a box around its listing, um, even though, um, yeah, he uses his usual satire and sketch comedy from Melbourne's Steejin. He doesn't seem to be as glowing about The Late Show as he is for keeping up appearances, which uh, he mm-hmm. also puts a box around at 7.30. Uh, he said that uh, it's a repeat of one of the funniest episodes of the outstanding British mm-hmm. comedy. Uh, Hyacinth decides that social superiority requires her to dabble in culture. So I just, I kind of wish that he was as enthusiastic with The Late Show as he was with uh, keeping up appearances. His pick of the night... Well, I suppose this shouldn't be a surprise considering it's <laughs> Melbourne. He picked the footy as the pick. <laughs> oh. Excellent. Thank you very much, Daniel. All right, here we go with Season 2, Episode 12 of The Late Show Broadcast, Saturday, September 4, 1993. And we have... Oh, Aussie Oh, sorry, wrong one. Yes, and that is Wallaby Jack returning with his uh, skills and knowledge on how to go four-wheel driving. Yeah, his uh, second outing was last seen in Episode 7. Other than those checkups of the car, tyre depth, uh, extra fuel, uh, spare beard as well. And the four-wheel drive can take you anywhere, such as a sports field inside a building and inside a TV studio. <laughs> it's, yeah. you know, yeah, no, it was an interesting start to the episode. Did they um, actually, like... Did an entire tree get felled for this sketch when they were pulling? It does of... look like it, doesn't it? Yeah, to be fair, I think that's something that even uh, Dr. Aaron Beaucaire would have trouble faking. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm just amazed at um, how uh, how the, the 730 report... Was that Quentin Dempster hosting mm. in that little cameo? Because I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure because uh, it didn't look like Rob... Uh, Rob Sitch's impression of him from the other episode uh, the, with uh, Mick and Tonya's Optus and Telstra executives. Optus and Telecom, yeah. Telecom, yeah. I was also um, yeah, amazed that they were able to get into the MCG and uh, I think that, well, judging by the colours that would be a used Essendon footy banner, I couldn't work out what was written on it. And I think uh, my favourite sort of running gag out of this would be uh, him trying to always shoehorn in that song about the Cootamundra waddle. I don't know what it is about the Cootamundra waddle. He never gets that far. All it reminds me of is those interminable songs on, that get played on Macca on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Mm. I don't know if they still are because it's probably been decades since I last, you know, even in passing, listened to Macker on a Sunday morning. Yeah. But that's all I think of when I hear, you know, those, you know, stupid bush ballads. The, I have to say the the, um, the camera crew are very, very quick to start pelting him with mud or eggs or whatever they're chucking at him. It, it feels like they've just got a bucket next to them ready for as soon as he pulls the guitar out, out comes the mud. Everything <laughs> gets thrown, thrown at him. And um, I have to actually say that that's probably Santo 
doing everything he can to annoy the crap out of his friend. <laughs> and holding the camera at the same time, just <laughs> multitasking. Oh my God, that man is incredible. Opening titles, we got the opening remarks and Mick and Tony ranting on about supermodels everywhere. And that's all about Claudia Schiffer and Linda Evangelista. How hot are those two supermodels, though? Yeah, yeah, the 90s was definitely the age of the, the supermodel. I guess now we've got Instagram and YouTube and and. Back then we had fashion mags and Vogue and the supermodel yeah. culture, uh, which which we'll get into a bit later on in the episode. But, yeah, I think uh, they were in town for the uh, Maya Grace Brothers kind of uh, launch, which we'll get into later. Um, <laughs> and there is footage of this on YouTube, and I think Matt and I had a had a bit of a look at it, didn't we? I had to delete my cache afterwards, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and there was news about Winona Ryder and Johnny Depp. God, that is going back a while ago. Oh, hang, hang on. You, you've skipped over the big news here. Tony reveals he's engaged to the woman who says adult humour before the program. Oh, you mean this one? We wish to advise that the following edition of The Late Show is rated M and contains adult humour. <laughs> What did I miss? Oh, you missed that bit. <laughs> the other thing I, I just want to quickly point out, I like the line by Mick, I've been knee-deep in supermodels all week. That's nothing. I bet he is. <laughs> yeah, of course. There's only two of them in the country, though. I mean, how 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 deep can you get? Maybe Mick has yeah. very shallow knees. Who knows? <laughs> Tony was warned about not to get the Lombarda tattoo because of the Winona Ryder thing. That's right. Yeah, the, the Winona Forever tattoo. Yeah. Which yeah. I like. I've I've never heard if it's been confirmed or not. But didn't he have it altered eventually so that it said Wino forever? Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that's there the are photos. Reason. There are photos of it saying Wino mm-hmm. forever. And then when Mick demonstrates the Lombarda, it's all about the Tony Barber dance. Any any excuse to drop the the Lombarda? <laughs> and I, I, I love I love uh, Tony's little aside. Uh, last week the Boonwalk, this week the Lombarda. Collect them all, kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There was also reference to Michael Jackson staying in his hotel room in Singapore and he gets the zoo brought to him. Yeah, we'll just move oh, on. Michael Jackson, bloody hell. They talk about kids finding um, an, a big giant egg in Western Australia. Mick puts the picture of the big egg on, on the screen, which ends up being Steve Weizard and... Yes! going psycho yeah the crowd just gets to storm the stage and uh, as does a police horse yeah they, they've actually hired a white horse and a rider to to be a police horse that, that's blown the budget i imagine now, now it, it also says on on the big screen congratulations mick 100 jokes sort of similar to you know something that might come on the big screen at the mcg now do we think it's 100 jokes full stop or do we think it's the 100 Steve buys that joke. Could be either, could really, couldn't it? It could be either. You are going into territory. <laughs> hey, hang on. Sorry, sorry. Has, has this become like disco pedantry now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pedantry. Well, it's like that. Don't forget, you've got the pedantry. So it's one or two. So that's classic pedantry or disco pedantry. Yeah. Well, that's Razia pedantry. Okay. Oh, no. Head tree. Yeah. Head tree. Cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And now it's over to the news desk with Tommy, Tommy G. G. Yay. Because it does carry on. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wanting to fuck Nick Malloy for months. <laughs> 
again, like it's it's the only sort of thing you can get away with on live TV. Brilliant. I am going to skip a lot of the news stories because the main part that the news really shines on is when Claudia Schiffer and Linda Evangelista are in town and they decide to come on the news desk. The only bit I want to highlight is the. Um, again, it's the big egg. Yeah, basically that uh, Tommy G's and the Late Show seem to be the custodians of it uh, for a time being uh, before rolling it off the news desk. And, um, yeah, it must be one of those plaster of Paris eggs. I, uh, there's one other thing I'm going to mention. That's Earring Ken, which, you know, I think a few of us remember from the early 90s. And I, I do quite like the gag about how, well, okay, Earring Ken was quite popular in the gay community. And I quite like the ad- added gag of, building a little closet for him to come out of. I thought that was... <laughs> That's very cool, yes. So Claudia and Linda do come out on stage and end up having a one-on-one with Tommy. Tell us, you may have seen a few Australian models while you've been here. Are they up to scratch? Uh, to be honest, Ray, we're a little disappointed with the uh, with the models in Australia. Mm-hmm. Well, we have seen two striking women on television. Yeah, yeah um, from the Late Show. Oh, yes, yeah. Jane Kennedy <laughs> is a very attractive and beautiful woman. I, uh, I don't know about Jane, but there's this girl Judith. She's really bad at accents, but she's kind of like she's kind of like an Australian Cindy Crawford. It's quite uncanny. That's amazing. <laughs> Love, love that little ad-lib from Jude. I love that. I do love the fact that they play on the whole supermodel or super part where they stand up on stage and jump off. Yeah, onto very, very obvious mattresses that you can just see in the... Anyway, doesn't, doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's, you know, you suspend your beliefs in these circumstances. It's legit, though. It's super. Superman doesn't have a mattress. Oh. Just saying. Okay, fair enough. Give me disco pedantry there. Show off their underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Mind you, Superman didn't have to take a bit of weight off his espadrilles. He would if he was wearing some. That seemed to be such a daggy phrase for Tommy G to say. (laughs) We'll move on to the sketch, and this is where the teaser came in. Let me have your attention for a moment. Put that coffee down. Let's talk about something important, because we're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. You want to see second prize? Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. Somebody should stand up and strike back. Somebody yeah. should do something to them. Sal exists on Earth? Yes. What can you do? I gotta tell you, I'm ready to do the Dutch. I know what I'll do. I'll go out and rob everybody blind and go to Argentina. You think you're a thief? We're just talking. We are? Yeah, we're just speaking about it. Speaking about it is an idea. We're not actually talking about it. No. It's a robbery. It's a robbery? No. And what is it we're so afraid of? All you need, a little boost. Tonight is the thing. So be it. That is the trailer, or a very edited version of the trailer for Glen Gary, Glen Ridge. I mean, Glen Ross. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) The sketch is basically a produced version of Glengarry Glen Ross, which has got Tony written all over it, and ends up being this. Who the f*** are you to come down here with your f***ing psychopath calling us <laughs> dead beats? Shut the f*** up for one moment. Who <laughs> the f*** you? Me. You. You and f*** you. 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 I actually don't like it much because I'm too young young to get it. But it was five minutes of insanity. It's a good movie. I actually watched it for the first time on Wednesday and I now get it. 
I now get the joke. <laughs> so, was, yeah, was, no, was, was there as much swearing in Glengarry Glen Ross oh, as there yeah. was in Glengarry yeah. Glenridge? Glen 100%. So, um, in fact, if not more. Like one of the things I appreciate, not necessarily like, but appreciate, is the, the rhythm of the beeping. It seems to have a fairly good rhythm mm. in it. <laughs> yeah, but like it, it sort of seems to have a rhythm as to when they say their, their swears. I must admit, I'm not as enamoured by about the use of that word, which can be defined as a bundle of sticks found together as fuel. Do you know what? I, I also hadn't seen Glen Gary Glen Ross in 1992. I have seen it since, but but I I enjoyed the sketch at the time because I think I think it I think there's enough that's funny about it, even if you don't know what the film is. It's just like the ridiculousness of people just just using the f word each other constantly is is quite funny. So I I think I think you don't need to have seen the film. I was ten, and people using that word was like really risque for me. Yeah, I mean, is that, is that as well? We usually have our fifth wheel because um, it goes through as well. And but yeah, we're, we're missing our resident movie guru, which is Tony. But he does have this message in regards to Glengarry Glen Ridge, or mainly the movie Glengarry Glen Ross, because Tony loves David Mamet. David Mamet and Glengarry Glen Ross wasn't exactly an obscure reference in 1994. Uh, David Mamet wrote the script for The Untouchables, um, but it was still pretty obscure. And Glengarry Glen Ross is a film based on Mamet's play of the same name. David Mamet didn't direct Glengarry Glen Ross, the film, but at this stage he was also a movie director as well as a playwright and a screenwriter. House of Games, which was the first film he directed, was a bit of an art house hit. And probably Tony, you know, knew of that as well as, you know, The Untouchables. I think he also wrote The Verdict, um, the Paul Newman film. But he'd written a few films before, you know, Glengarry Glen Ross. Anyway, Glengarry Glen Ross is about a bunch of real estate salesmen. They're basically scammers. They sell housing developments that don't really happen. You know, they sell swamp land and that kind of thing. Mamet had worked at one of these places while his dramatic career was getting started. And he knew how they talked. So he wanted to write something based on that. Um, and the end result happened to be pretty sweary, uh, especially for the time. It was pretty notorious for having, you know, some fairly fruity language and being pretty down to earth sort of about the way these guys talked. Famously, when they came to make a film of the play, because the play was very successful, the play itself didn't run long enough to turn into a movie. So Mamet added a scene where a character, played by Alec Baldwin, comes into the, the sales room, swears at everyone, tells them they're all losers and he's a winner. And then when it comes to this month's sales, only the top two guys will still have a job come the next month. So everybody else <laughs> starts getting a bit desperate to, to make the sales after that. And that's the story of the play. Uh, in the sketch, uh, Rob is pretty clearly playing Alec Baldwin's character. Uh, Tony is playing Ricky Roma, who's played by Al Pacino in the movie. And Mick and Santo are just guys in suits you've seen the sketch apart from the potty mouth it, it doesn't really have a lot to do with the actual film as for Mamet himself he ended up turning into a bit of a right-wing nutbag before it was fashionable so his movie career is pretty much over though he still writes books he's still I think doing plays but the last few have not done well but anyway before then he wrote and sometimes directed some really great movies which I recommend you check out uh Spartan and Thief are great action movies 
And State and Maine is a really good comedy, which you may not expect from him. It's about how um, a bunch of people come to a small town to make a movie and basically rip everyone off blind. Uh, it's really good. I recommend it. Wow. We should yeah. probably also quickly mention uh, the, the cameo of, uh, of this and, uh, well, the namesake, Glenn Ridge. Um, the reaction from the audience almost drowns out his, his very softly spoken, hey, 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 fellas, language please. It was fantastic, especially coming from the last episode when you had the whole Joe Bailey stuff and that was still in everyone's mind and then you suddenly had Glenn Ridge actually appear in the sketch. The other thing I sort of think about is whether there might have been some negotiations with Channel 9 to get Glenn Ridge to be in this mm. Kind of uh, silly cameo, considering they kind of need it to make the title of the sketch work. <laughs> I don't know who the backup would have been for this sort of a, you know, uh, for this sort of a sketch. Well, not but, doing the sketch, I assume. Yeah, it was like, either like, him like, or like nothing. I, like my my theory again, I don't know if it's true or not, but I, my 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 guess would be that. He would only have been allowed to do it by Channel Nine if he didn't do any of the swearing. I, actually, I just I just had a thought: Glenn Gary, Glenn Robbins, yeah, could have worked. He was still kind of famous in '93, but but yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That um, that Ridge is on like the week after the Joe Bailey rally, you know. So clearly, no hard feelings um, felt there. Right. Depends depends on when it was shot, I suppose. Like with yeah. with, with this sort of thing, you can't really tell. But, yeah, if it was the week before, geez, that would have been an interesting set. Now, on stage, Rob uh, introduces the new music clip, and that is... And I will admit, I did try to reach out to Ween uh, through their management. <laughs> they passed away. I don't know. <laughs> 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 Well, pushing the little daisies, surely. You, you're trying to kill Wayne, Matt. That's, that's, that's Ouch. mad. Oh, gosh. Don't do that. So, yeah, obviously no, no response? No, no response. It's a parody of uh, the Wayne song, Push the Little Daisies. Yeah. Um, picked at number 18 in the, in the ARIA singles chart and reached number 40 on the inaugural uh, Triple J Hottest 100. Yeah, that was uh, one of the first. Yeah, I remember getting that Triple J Hottest 100 album <laughs> the next year. So I remember hearing that song, but you can never hear that song without thinking of this version, which is fantastic. They did a really good job. Oh, 100%. I said, when I emailed them, I sent them the link to the clip saying this is what we're going to talk about just to give them a heads up. And no, nah. apparently, um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're too high quality for them to be on, you know. <laughs> Kudos to the Late Show team, though, for once again making their parody music video look exactly like the real one. Mm. Which was just as well. Yeah, exactly. was freaking incredible. And this one, you know, right down to the weird foods that they're eating, like the Ziploc bag full of mushrooms and the big massive bowl of noodles and, and all that. It's it's all there in the original. So go on YouTube and have a look at that. I am sure that's just a night out at Mick's place. Probably is. Probably is. But, I mean, oh I don't think God. Mick Malone okay. could even be bothered to cook noodles. No. <laughs> yeah, but when, um, when you look at the comments on YouTube of 39,000, 
uh, news from the <laughs> really? upload that I made nine years ago. Um, when you compare that to, say, the when Tony was doing the Informer, you had a lot of Informer <gasps> fans saying, this is awful, this is horrible, whereas the Ween fans are like, we love this thing. It's really funny. <laughs> and, really uh, Tony did the, the Informer, didn't he? I yeah, that was in the that. previous episode, yeah. It was during Bob Jones' hands-off. See, like, fans of rap music or whatever they don't have a sense of humor whereas people who like ween you know it's already a kind of a stupid band so (laughs) i love it allison i really love it all right now the next bit is it's not really an official undiscovered masterpieces of the cinema (laughs) so it's more or less an unofficial installment because it's judith and tony talking about their vhs discovery of sexy girls with sexy guns (laughs) now i didn't choose a clip from them talking about it so i actually found the video itself and the entire thing's hosted on youtube make sure that you're watching in incognito mode when you're watching it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah here's a snippet of it from the actual movie hi my name is lillian and this is a lot of fun hello I'm Rosie, and this is the MP5 machine gun. <laughs> Once they tell me this is one of the best automatic weapons available in the world today. And it, too, is made in Germany, like me. Hey, I wasn't ready for that. Well, what do you expect? It's my first time ever firing a gun, much less a machine gun. Well, I'll get the hang of it. And just a bet, you'll see. How are you doing? My name is Angela, and like Rosie, I also got the opportunity to shoot the HMK MP5 submachine gun. I was raised in the South and grew up shooting guns, but let me tell you, this is incredible. One word can describe the MP5. Controllable. The MP5 was designed in 1965. This gun is a current result of the continuous development of the German MP series of the submachine guns. There are only eight major parts in the MP5. And just by the feel of the gun in your hands, you can tell that this is a precision instrument. I've never held anything that felt so strong and confident. It feels like it would never fail and virtually works forever. Do you know, do you know what? I, I imagine watching this would be pretty boring, actually, because, you know, it's just some kind of dumb women. You know, I, I don't think they're very well informed about the guns. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're literally just droning on about these guns and then just shooting them. And even even the fact that they're in bikinis, I'm, I'm just thinking, you're going to get bored with this video eventually. I'll give them this, you know, they're basically wearing nothing. You know, they're in these tiny bikinis. They've got these ridiculously high heels. And, you know, I imagine an automatic weapon like that would have a bit of blowback. And and they're managing to not fall over. So, you know, points. Kickback yeah, is, is points from me. It's going to hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. And and also, like, the bullets are flying out of the guns. Aren't they going to hit them and they're, like, naked? <laughs> no, they're, they're firing them away, but mm. the, the kickback is actually going to physically hurt them. Like, I imagine they had bruises. And then uh, the boys here are going like, we don't care. We got two men on the call. Maybe you could, Matt and Daniel, you could say whether you, do you find this sexy? Pre-internet, you know, <laughs> the, the, pre, pre, the internet is for porn era. When so didn't, didn't have much to go. Oh, this is wrong town. So, so you basically had sexy girls with sexy guns in the Target underwear catalogue, and that was it. That was all we <laughs> had. I found a, a cover of the um, of the US uh, release of uh, Rock and Roll Three Sexy Girls uh, oh, and Sexy Guns, and it does say on the the front uh, of the cover. Uh, perhaps this was written by Ross Warnke. It's that matter of fact. 
60 minutes in length, professionally produced in full colour with slow motion, freeze frames, computer special effects and complete statistical information. (laughs) (laughs) Statistics. That's what your average bloke going down the video shop for this kind of video wants, isn't it? They want statistics. They yeah. want stats and they just want girls shooting. Has anyone seen Jackie Brown? Uh, Quentin, <laughs> yes. Quentin Tarantino. So there's a whole scene where um, they have the, the chicks who love guns, which is basically yes. this. And the Samuel L. Jackson character telling De Niro about explaining about all the guns. Yeah. And like, there's all the chicks with the guns, but he's just talking about the guns and how, where you can get them from and all that sort of thing. Just kind of you know, disregarding the girls and the, with the yeah. girls, but they, they actually made a whole thing of that for the movie. But there's also a video for the women out there, and what about vacuum cleaners? Oh, baby. Sexy that, that guys is, yeah, I don't know about you, Amber, but were you a Mick fan? I, I'm sure all the Mick fans. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 it's zero Mick. Zero. No, yeah, I was zero, Mick. Amber, you mentioned that you were around 10 uh, when this was yeah. originally broadcast and that you... You were, you were watching that uh, in the company of your responsible parents. Oh, yeah. How did that Super go when, when confronted with sexy, sexy girls and sexy guns? Super uncomfortable. Like, I didn't <laughs> want to watch it. I felt, yeah, no, not comfortable. Next segment is... Excuse <laughs> <laughs> I. It's episode two of Barge Us, Where's Me Bloody Donuts, with guest starring Don Chip. And the whole concept is Barjas is trying to find his stolen jam donuts. What's the most important thing about donuts? Barjas's donuts. What do we really know about them? I mean, really. They're round, doughy, and full of jam. And what do these three facts tell us? Nothing. Exactly. And that's why I'm off to a completely unrelated scene at the Cabana Motel. Yeah. What a name, the Cabana Motel. After checking into the headache suite, uh, he gets home <laughs> to see Barjas at home pointing the finger directly at him because he's got the jam running down his mouth. So, uh, But comparing on empty stomachs, uh, Glenn 20 feels like it's all a dream when it's revealed that Barjas is still sitting on the lounge having a beer. Again, it's just it's a pretty by-the-numbers sort of uh, episode, this one. But, I mean, when, when you're given that sort of footage of, um, of John Diedrich, uh, yeah, copping a chair to the head and... Yeah, turning up later on with uh, with blood coming out of his mouth. And if yeah, they... you'd expect more when it's adapted from the novel by Franz Kafka, wouldn't you? <laughs> you would. <laughs> so can we just slightly backtrack to the uh, Cabana Hotel, because a motel, I should say, because that actually did exist um, and it still exists. It's now uh, fancy service department kind of suites, but it, but it, as of maybe about 10 years ago, it was it was still there. If you look on Google Maps, it's actually in uh, 46 parts Park Street, St Kilda West. So you can look that up on uh, Google to see what it looks like now. Right. It's now called Crest on Park Hotel Apartments. And um, it's basically the same building, but they've just given it a paint job and fancy, fancy names. And there's no headache suite, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, they don't have, um, yeah, that basically uh, they should have just had all that retro signage because because you know we don't you know it's it's a cult thing really tourist attraction but now it's just some bland thing yeah anyway <laughs> <laughs> if any, anyone knows John Didrick please reach out to us on the Champagne Comedy podcast because we really would love to have a chat to him yeah we're still on the hunt for John on the hunt for John yeah ah it is one of my favourite segments which unfortunately would never reach the DVD release tonight join Ed Cavalier <laughs> Oh, sorry, wrong one. It is. This is TV's Jane Kennedy. This 
This is some poor bloke we dragged out of the audience. This is popular ethnic prankster Santo Chilauro. This is that new one, Judith Lacey. This is someone else we dragged out of the audience. And this is me being caught doing the voiceover. And we're all contestants on the Late Show Super Challenge. Now, here's your host, Tommy G. They had 35 minutes, so they had no idea what to do with. Well, Tommy does refer to the Super Challenge or the quiz time as a thing that they used to do when they got paid a shitload of money at a radio station. I think he's referring to the DAG quiz, which is the snippet here. DAG quiz, not just a quiz, a celebration. Here's why. Yes, the quality music of the past being showcased here on Dag Quiz. Let's see if anyone knows what that was. Hello? Oh, guys, I'm Wayne from St Albans. Are you still taking calls about what's a Dag you see you can do over the Easter break? Yeah, well, just one more call, Wayne. Yeah, I reckon like breaking into a house and just taking their board games. Yeah, thank you, Wayne. Get off. Line two. Hello? Hello. Who's that? It's Perry here. Well, what's today's Dag Quiz? It's um, Hard My Heart by Quarterfoot. He's done it. Yes, that's the one. Well done, Perry. You've bagged yourself $105 for the Easter break. Oh, that's great. I'm, but, I'm beside myself. Well, I'm afraid you're not going to be beside yourself for much longer because you've won the new single from Amy Grant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that, that you, you drew the, the parallels uh, to have you been paying attention because like, even though that was born from a quiz segment that he did on a quite short-lived podcast version of Santo, Sam and Ed, I do think that, like, it especially shows in this super challenge thing Mm. that uh, Tommy G is a born quiz master, a born comedy quiz master, because you can certainly see that that there's there's very deep roots uh, between super challenge and have you been paying attention exactly yeah with the quiz there were various questions quite topical i won't go through them all because they did spit ball and improv a lot of bits and pieces uh, especially the music uh, snippets which were hotel california and a nice i don't know i guess amusing reference to yothu yindi but all everything to do with doritos and hovercrafts the clip is on YouTube if you want to check it out. The other thing I liked was the squeaky hostess with uh, bonus Alf Camilleri pushing her along. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of David Jones's rejected store dummies, I think, on wheels. We need to talk about Alfie a bit more. He was basically a cast member without being a cast member. Yeah, well, he was referenced in Mick and Tone's segment right at the top of the show as like a journalist, wasn't he? And they and he, he makes endless cameos in the program. So, yeah, he basically is the ninth member of the cast. Sometimes he was dragged out reluctantly as well. But we do have the celebrity round, and I purposely left this one in. Take a look at this photo. What member of the Dado family is this? <laughs> 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 The guy that always has spaghetti sticking out of his face. <laughs> <laughs> I Leone, Santa, what are you thinking? Leonie, you want to have a crack at this one? Um, Which dado is that? Just take a wild um, punt. Um, I don't know if I know the answer. <laughs> Do you know any um, dados? We've got the... some morals here, Leonie. <laughs> is it the little-known Zeppo? Zing. Such a Tony answer. Yeah. Fun fact, there's Cameron Dado, Andrew Dado, who has a twin, Jamie, uh, Lockie Dado and sister Belinda. A plethora oh, of there's no, there's no Adriana. No. Uh, <laughs> but there's also a joke about Lindy Chamberlain's new husband who looked look like George Danikian. He, he really does. Burt Ward's new book, who is Robin from the Batman TV series, and a photo of the group, uh, the girl group girlfriend. What do these five girls have in common? 
Jane. Uh, none of them have had sex yet. <laughs> the, answer, the answer I had here was that none of them can sing, but I'd oh. pay that one. I Final question. They should all be shot. They should all be shot. <laughs> <laughs> According to Mick Moy, three haven't. Only three have had sex. <laughs> That's ugly. Final question. Which three? I want to... Uh... Yeah, Judith wins with that answer. And there's also a celebrity nude. Uh, who is this person with the gluteus maximus? And that was the guy from Healthy, Wealthy and Wise. Ah, uh, no, no, no. It was Senator Robert Ray. It was Senator Robert Ray. No, it was a little fat kid. It was everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. We'll move on then. So it was just a filler of time, really. After everyone waves everyone off stage and so forth, good old Team Scott and Team Leone. At the end of the quiz, we've got a sketch, and that's Jane throwing to a documentary called I, Claudia, which is all about Claudia Schiffer's Australian manager, Steve Besser, who's played by Rob, and is being followed by an ABC cameraman. And this has got to be one of the most stealthiest sketches yeah. ever done. It's a really amazing yeah. sketch. He did a really awesome job. Rob is basically ghosting every move that Claudia does, especially the part where they're at the press conference and Rob is in character. Um, can I just have your attention uh, for a second? Claudia's going to be here in about uh, five minutes. No questions that involve Prince Albert. No questions that involve her contract with Revlon. And no questions that involve mathematical multiplication <laughs> and that's directly to the whole media hub yeah that's hilarious my, my my guess is that i think rob might have done that just after the actual press conference because there's footage later on of him being in the same room as the real claudia shipper comes in i think if he actually had done that before claudia came on he wouldn't be in that room anymore mm-hmm. so so i reckon i reckon he probably would have jumped in front of the mics, like as as soon as it was over, just as the camera people were were around the table about to pack up. I love the fact that when Claudia was there and she moved away, he was like one on one, like yeah. only like so close, and just instead of you know snapping out of character, he stayed in character while he actually confronted Claudia. It's like yeah, just acknowledge pretending he was the manager, and. Can you just the, the the look on his face as he looked at Santo holding the camera? We assume Santo, <laughs> but it's just one of the most phenomenal things that Rob, or a stunt, I should say, has been done. Yeah, it's just, no, you're you're, you're right. It's very stealthy, and then it's sort of complemented with all of this obviously fake uh, footage, let's say, of of uh, of uh, Claudia in her glitzy hotel room dancing very badly to the radio it's it's interesting that they don't they don't have jane playing claudia they've they've hired a, a woman to to play claudia i i wonder i wondered why they did that but that does lead up to the television special which was the Maya slash grace brothers visions thing real bad i'm claudia schiffer i'm claudia schiffer remember welcome I'm back, back to, to my grace, grace brothers, brothers vision of spring and summer 1993 I'm Claudia Schiffer. Right now. Can we get a close-up at some point? I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> that was an actual bit from the show, and there is clips of that actual Visions or Catwalk show, whatever it's called, on YouTube. 
here's a bit where it's hosted by Ray Martin. Now, this is the very end. Now, it's a little bit long, but I'll explain in a minute why, that when you hear the applause, there's a reason why it goes on for a bit. So you just bear with it. Here we just say, listen carefully. A special thanks to uh, our special guests, Linda Evangelista and Claudia Schaefer. Would you please thank them once again? Like, like, it's untouched, untouched. Gee, you had me worried there, ladies. I thought you were going to leave us out here on our own. Thank you for that. Thank you. Now you know why they're the best in the business. Now, I hope we've given you some, uh, some good ideas about your frocks and your frills and your jackets and your jeans for the coming season. I've had a fantastic time. I hope that you have as well. I hope you've enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it? I loved it. Did you love it? Great time. Would you do it again? Yes. But next time we'll do it without you, though. Oh! Oh. Whoa! So that whole pause. If you watch the clip online, the camera shot is just doing that far pan scan type thing, and it's just everyone applauding, and they're nowhere to be seen on stage, and it applauded for like a full minute until they eventually walked out. Well, I I did watch some of the the interview that he was doing with Claudia. And he was asking these really stupid questions like, uh, oh, do you travel well? Like, do you get jet lag? And then he was, he was just saying, do you feel like when you when you arrive after you travel, do you feel like the most beautiful girl in the world? And she's like, no. And then she started, started asking about her fashion. And and she said she really likes um, sweaters. She's got about 20 sweaters, which may, ref, may be a reference to the Kendone wind cheater. <laughs> Back in back in ninety eight, like is that what we were expected to ask? State of the politics. Intelligent questions. You couldn't ask. Yeah, you couldn't ask about legislation. You just have to ask about what they were wearing. He can't ask about Prince Albert, Revlon, or mathematical equations. So he's got to ask something else. And all he's left with is, "Do you travel well?" Of course. How do you, you find know. the people in Australia? Oh, they're warm and lovely. They're nice <laughs> and lovely. They're, they're treating me really well. Straight after that, we have toilet break time, one of our favourite segments. And Tony does set up a very discreet warning, uh, explaining it wouldn't be out of place of a David Lynch movie, and that is Act 4, Ian Evans. <laughs> Do you see my sweetheart? Yeah, so he he had his hands covering his face and Amber's got her hands covering her face because she just can't bear it. Actually, we all do. I, I did put something to the test because it did sound something like that would come out of a David Lynch movie and, uh, oh, I don't know, found this on a bonus feature of the Twin Peaks box set. Well, 
do you know what? I'm just thinking, I'm probably the only person who gets this reference, but if you've ever sat through the movie Billy's Holiday, you will absolutely, it's really like, like, you know, Max Cullen's impression of Billy Holiday. It's very, Allison, very I'm totally there with you. Wow, another another person. I think what Ian Evans is trying to do here is he's trying to do like a mixture of impersonations of old film stars and the trumpet in, in this kind of stream of consciousness sort of monologue, musicologue thing. But, you know, to be honest, after about half a, half a minute of this, I just really wanted Red Simons to come in with his gong and just get this guy <laughs> off my screen. I, I just wanted to ask, like, do we actually think that this is an actual... Like, I, I don't know what the name of the song is or whether anybody might have recognised it from whatever the hell that yeah, was. Shazam just didn't show up anything for me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think I think the the absolute gold in this is uh, what comes from what happens after the performance. <laughs> Not so much from Bernard, but definitely from Ernie Sigley. Mm. Finished, Ian. Yes, Ian Evans. <laughs> Ian Evans with some James Infirmary, and that was uh, Jamie. That's one of your best arrangements. What do you think, Ian? He took the breeze from the trees, added weird melodies, and presented the death of the blues. 25. 25 from Bernard for uh, Ian Evans. Jackie? I don't dare say what I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't dare first, say what I think. The first time Bernard's ever been silenced. <laughs> I'm so it was broken. very poetic judging. But, I mean, I mean, like, even... Like Ernie, who's a notorious laugher, giggler, mm. like like mm. making a joke to the to the band leader saying that's one of your best arrangements. <laughs> you nothing to do with it. What's the score? If do you have a, a score, rap, Daniel? It got twenty five from Bernard. So, uh, with his uh, untitled composition, uh, that puts Ian Evans in fourth place. Nice. So uh, yeah, just uh, in, in in front of him we've got yeah Darren Schutz, um, Alan and Brenda, and of course Piffy. After the toilet break, we've got Graham and the Colonel. There's a lot going on here. So Graham and the Colonel have switched hairdressers. I decided to go to Kelvys and he went to Sedgman's. <laughs> Sedgman's. <laughs> yeah. So they had their wigs mixed up. I'm kind of wondering how the hell they they would have done that because they would have had a lot of time to get. No, uh, it's, de- it's deliberate. But it does it does look weird seeing the mop on Santo's head and the Bill Clinton blow wave on Rob's head. <laughs> and also, they were meant to participate in the Red Nose Day, but the Colonel thought it was Bill Laurie Nose Day. <laughs> Every I... Halloween, mm. when I see the with the. The long curvy witch's noses uh, come out. Australian rules football uh, have are in trouble because they printed Macca's logos all over the footballs, which leads to this. That is outrageous! <laughs> These sponsorship deals, they are just going too, too far. Too far. Now we're going to be a... Too far. This has gone too far. Colonel, can I... What? Can I have a look at your jacket? What? There seems to be something... Oh, just relax. There's, relax. Something... Just There's something different about, about your jacket this week. <laughs> yeah, it was more or less... I'm sorry, I tried that. It's more visual than anything. The Macca's logo being all over their clothing and books and shirts and everything else like that. I, I remember this being very controversial at the mm. time. 
I mean, mm. well, I mean, who says you can't advertise on the ABC, first of all? But, I mean, for some reason, I mean, we don't think about it much these days because there's still sponsors on the ball today. But back then, it seemed to be sacrosanct for some weird reason. Mm. Yeah, I wrote down that same word, controversial. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was like a few episodes back when they had the cigarette advertising and they had that on, on yeah. there as well. And we thought, well, wow, that's, that's, uh, oh, is that allowed? Do you remember that? Well, yeah, well, ad- advertising wasn't as uh, prevalent as it's. Uh... Uh, as it is now, yeah. It, it was very controversial to have those logos on the actual football, to have the really big M's as well on the clothing. You know, that was controversial, and that was a commercial network, you know. So I think that was the real controversy. And and it's interesting, isn't it, that they're using all these logos on the Late Show and no one seems to censor them at all. It's satire. Yeah. They're allowed. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The joke wouldn't work otherwise. And there's also the money in sport, which is Andrew Eddinghausen was in court over unauthorised nude photos with Colonel trying to explain it all, but it just fell flat in regards to Michelangelo's David and how you can see his doodle. <laughs> <laughs> As, as, as Rob explains, its allegory is what it is. Claudia Schiffer's boyfriend, uh, Kyle McLaughlin. Oh, wait a minute. That's all. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Another, another uh, Twin Peaks. Well, David Lynch <laughs> reference. David Lynch, yeah. It all connects. It all connects. Yeah, Kyle McLaughlin was in hiding. Uh, so the camera pans to the, the event at the Claudia Schiffer event. And so they splice in a snippet of something all of Cole McLaughlin really peering through the blinds in uh, blue velvet. <laughs> There's also the big egg, uh, which they came with an amazing find, a giant egg cup. As they always say, nothing like a big prop. Yeah, yes. <laughs> well, I was going to say. When you pause to reflect on Graham and the Colonel <laughs> at a future time, you'll be impressed by the number of big props we use. <laughs> In regards to that, I reckon right now is the future time. So let's mm, take yeah. a moment to mm, reflect. Thinking music. <laughs> Are we impressed by the, the big props? And I would say, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Really? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Bring back the big hats as well. <laughs> yeah. There's also a telephone belt, which I didn't really get. Don't forget. You often do this. Your organisation lacks. Don't forget to cast your vote <laughs> in the uh, telephone ballot. I've already done that. I've oh, decided you've who I'm going. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you go with the mob with the where you have to dial one? No, no. I went with the mob where you have to go ten four, good buddy. <laughs> ten four, good buddy. <laughs> I've got a buzzer here that's supposed to work, and it didn't happen. Ten four, good buddy. Shh, shh. Oh, this is telecom and optics. That's the, that's the mob that I'm going with. <laughs> It's Telecom and Optus. Oh, okay. What it was, was it, it was Telecom and Optus, and people had to decide which of the two suppliers they would go with for their telephone. And, and it was a ballot. Every household had to decide. I remember that yeah. now, yeah. A lot of marketing going on between the two companies trying to get their vote in quotation marks. And there's also one part which, oh God, now this is 30 years later. I can't believe that we're going to bring this up. But Graham is off to see the midnight screening of Jurassic Park Dominion. I mean, just the first Jurassic Park. <laughs> uh, but the colonel is uh, saying that it's pretty bad. Animation is pathetic. Oh, really? <laughs> it's pathetic. In this dinosaur film. Look, the only good thing is the acting. There's this guy called Fred Flintstone. Now, sure. he's still <laughs> yeah. now he, he said, well, my... He's great, <laughs> And if the best supporting actor Oscar doesn't go to Barney Rubble, Barney I'll go Rubble. here. I'll go here. That guy. Well, I, I don't fantastic. know if that was Jurassic Park. I just don't oh, no, no, it was. It had the haunting theme music. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. <laughs> And we have to remember that this was before the Flintstones movie. 
Yes, of course. Yeah. And guess who? What that Flintstones movie starred? Carl <laughs> <laughs> McLaughlin in it. We have the closing, and Jason shows off some lookalikes of himself and Mick. Jason and Mick dressed as priests. Well, not them, but just lookalikes. But they were yeah. really uncanny, weren't they? They were. Yeah. Well, they were, as Tony said, champagne lookalikes. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. But we do have the musical finale, and Mick was given the mission to get a particular rock star in, right? And that was Alice Cooper. Who does he get? Dr. Harry Cooper. And he really gives it gusto with this performance. Like, he's really, he's really enjoying it. And he's, he's, at, um, he's at Dracula's Theatre Restaurant as well, which is yeah. a really nice set. And he's got a real snake, which, which at one point seems to get very, very tight around his neck. But I guess as a vet, he would know how to handle it. I would, I would hope so, yeah. Well, they did say at the very end, after the credits, that little extra bit that they added in, saying that the snake was getting a bit too tight around his neck. It's just, it's it's a great bit of fun. A good setting setting in Dracula's. You're right, I, I agree, Alison. I did actually try to reach out to Dr. Harry Cooper, and I didn't get a response. All honestly, he was probably too busy talking to the animals. Oh, I couldn't see that coming. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there were audience tickets. Uh, who was it, Daniel? Uh, well, uh, yeah, we had the, the ticket promo with uh, Leonie and Scott. I think that might have been their prize for being uh, dragged into the Super Challenge. Yeah, and I, um, I felt so, many years sorry for Leonie um, being called a dud and not knowing because I was in Sydney, not knowing about this extra bit that she had kind of had to go <laughs> an extra bit on TV for. Um, so that was a nice surprise to actually see them get a little, little bit more airtime. Yeah. So uh, the giant egg cup. <laughs> oh yes. In the credits uh, that were rolling over uh, Dr. Harry Cooper, we had uh, special guests Dr. Harry Cooper and Glenn Ridge uh, with Nina Sturgis. Now I'm not quite sure who she played. I've got a feeling she might have been uh, uh, Claudia Schiffer's doppelganger uh, in in I Claudia uh, in I Claudia, but I'm not too sure. Uh, we also had, uh, thanks to ABC News, Dracula's Theatre Restaurant, uh, Rick Howden, uh, The Grand Hyatt, uh, probably again for I, Claudia, uh, Network 10, and uh, as usual, John Diedrich, uh, Lucky Grills, and the estate of the late uh, Gerda Nicholson. I also noticed that in addition to Apocalypse, Sports Girl, The Facility, and Triple M, the D-Generation also thanked Dame Roo. Now, I'm not quite sure why, unless that was where the... No, actually, it would not have been where the press conference was because the press conference was for my and Grace Brothers and Damaru was a um, Japanese department store that was at the Melbourne Central Tower. So I'm not quite sure why they were thanked. Was, did they get some clothes from Damaru or, or was, was there a scene there that maybe got cut? I couldn't really work it out either, but... Yeah. Unless, un, unless they addressed... The um, uh, Judith and Jane uh, when they were supermodels, maybe? I don't know. Well, that wraps up Season 2, Episode 12 of The Late Show, as well as Episode 32 of the Champagne Comedy Podcast. So feel free to email us, champagnelateshow at gmail.com, Twitter at TLSChampagne, also the site, champagnecomedy.com, and, um, yeah, check out all the stuff we've written on there, as well as the Facebook page of Late Show, or search for the Champagne Comedy Podcast group on Facebook. It's on private, but answer the three questions and you're in. So far, no one's answering the three questions. Come on, answer them. 
Uh, it's only just they're not that, that hard. They're not hard. One of them is how to spell, you know, Warnicky, Fidgen, and, you know, yeah, who says you'll bar up. Like, really, really easy questions. Yeah, in the early days, people were all answering the questions, and now it's just like, oh, come on, guys. Yeah, you click, <laughs> you get in, and then next thing you know, they disappear because it's not at all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> oh, mm. well. Anyway, each to their own. So, and also our sparkling wine shop, <laughs> Red Bubble, the uh, Bitly uh, Champagne Comedy. So, just big thank you to Alison, Daniel, Kim, and also our guest Amber, who I think her internet's Yay. cut out. So, yeah, thanks, thank Amber. you. Thanks for coming on board, Amber. I really appreciate it. So, my name is Matt, and I will catch you in the next episode. Don't forget to enter the Barge House competition, too. See you next time. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the Champagne Comedy Podcast, created by fans for the fans. For more information on this podcast, please visit champagnecomedy.com. Produced by Matt Fulton Productions, mattfulton.com.au.